0: Do you seek him? You have found yourself among those who roll the dark dice. What you are about to hear happened long ago, a story brought back from the edge of oblivion, dutifully transcribed, and enhanced orally to better captivate your attention. Our tale is a harrowing and collaborative one, set within a world of dungeons and dragons. However... To similar to most stories of its kind our protagonists are not fantastic heroes of legend they do not understand what awaits on the path of their fate and they do not overcome all odds no i regret to inform you that this story follows a team of flawed individuals selfish foolish naive and ill-suited for the path of the hero but not every story is about heroes some tales are fables of warning do not go into the woods at night Fear the strangers in your midst. Never play with games of fate. Dark Dice, Chapter One, The Silent One. Some time ago, the small, pious village of Ilmiters Hope suffered a terrible season of blight. Crops blackened and animals ill beyond care, the men and women of the village spent much of their time far from town, collecting together what they could to feed their slackened mouths. Exhausted, but fed, the men and women of Ilmiter's Hope slept well and awoke to calming rays of the sun. Rested, they turned to face a new day. And one by one, the household screamed to find their children missing. So it was that six able-bodied men and women set out in search of them, tracking the children through the woods to the east. They wound through an ill-stricken section of the bright veil, the Dead Pines. Glimpses in the Dead Pines' heavy mist tricked their eyes, and the obscured path slowed their progress. But they went on the chill of the night bit at their noses and ears, and the sound of distant thunder bounding off the nearby mountains promised worse days ahead. As the storm pushed down the mountain, five of the would-be rescuers huddled around a dying fire, clinging to wisps of warmth and consciousness. Though traveling together, they knew little of the strangers with whom they shared food and fire. Over the last two days, their conversations consisted of their mission— to find the children and little else. One fiery haired dwarf, before the light of the campfire, took it upon herself to break the weight of the enmity between them.
1: I guess I better break the tension. I'm a ruining a Granite Pike.
0: As she spoke, she stood, rustling a long, dark, cumbersome cloak behind her before seating herself nearer the fire, dragging her small pack close. The light flickered across the well-carved sigil of weighed scales pressed into her metal chest piece and on the small, well care harp hanging at her hip.
1: I've got family here too. Better introduce me my cousin. This is Father Westpike. Actually, I don't know if you've got a first name. I might just call you Father or Cuz.
2: I am Sintri. Uh, I am Sintri Westpike. I hail from the I- Frost Iron Mountains. While the aged dwarf spoke, he
0: moved to place more sodden wood upon the fire. He stepped with a limp, and an unevenness, his shoulders strong but carrying a hump from decades of toil and darkened mines. As he placed more wood upon the fire, embers bounded up past his grey beard and hair and his smiling face. The face of a proud, happy dwarf, a life of hard
2: work and dedication behind his eyes. I've traveled these grounds for 80 years now and I have now been in Illmitis Hope for maybe a year, trying to help build the current church. You... Would know me as a cleric of the god Pelor.
0: With a strong grip, he grasped at the symbol of Pelor around his neck. Pelor, the Chiorosjol, The god of the sun, light, strength and healing. The creator of much that is good. Father Westpike looked at the holy symbol, at the bearded face within the rays of the sun, and he thought for a moment on his most beloved of the old gods. An ancient symbol of power and righteousness in the realms of men. May his light guide our actions. An uncomfortable rustle issued from beside the dwarf, and a grey-skinned tiefling peered up at the man under long horns. He seemed odd, anxious, and set beside three sets of shoes, a pair for
3: any occasion. My name is Ayas. I'm an inn's Of the children that have been taken from the village, mine is one of them. His name's Baron. He's twelve. He's a dwarf. I'm, I know he's not mine, but... It's how we roll, all right? It's a long story. I don't even want to go there, and I don't want to waste time talking about all this, because I want to find him.
0: With that, the tiefling shifted his eccentrically designed cloak about him and nodded to the next dwarf beside him. She was short and unremarkable in her features, but her broad shoulders and hands were testament to the strength of dwarven youth.
4: I am Sister Savrite Cavernsfall, uh, paladin of Ilmater. I come from the dwarven village of Faxifoss, Uh, Though, as stonemasons, we lived in a house next to a massive cavern that fell into the earth. Hence, Cavernsfall. I came to Ilmiter's Hope to help build the church, as I have assisted in the stonemasonry of two previous churches of my faith. Now the suffering of Ilmiter ordains that I help alleviate the suffering of others, so I will help to find the children that were lost to the town. And you, my wild-worn fellow?
0: Sister Cavernsfall was speaking to the last of their group, a tiefling woman of the wild with blood-tinted skin and dark hair dotted with sprigs and leaves.
5: I'm Filgia, a thiefling and a woman of the wilds. I consider wherever I travel to be my home, and for the last few months I've lived in a small hut in the woods, just north of Illmaters Hope. I'm known as the Demon Witch of the Grey Swamp, the Keeper of the Wilds, and also, more recently, <laughs> the Lady of the Bunnies. <laughs> it's not my fault I have so many. Though I'm called a witch, I'm actually a druid. One who communes with nature.
0: With this, she rattled the telltale sign of her craft opaque tinctures, natural charms, bundles of herbs, and bulbous potions hanging from her cloak. Even her walking stick looked alive and wriggling beneath her fingers.
5: I am not an evil person, and while I don't mind being perceived as a scary witch, I'm sick of being harassed by dumb people with pitchforks. So when the villagers came to ask for my aid, I said. <laughs> Sure, i help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good times. I talk endlessly about my bunnies if you get me started. And one of my brooms, uh, I guess you'd call it Broom uh, broommaid <laughs> is taking care of them while I'm that's gone.
1: That's amazing. I'm sorry, I, I'm just going to call you Lady of Bunnies, because <laughs> this just too good.
0: While their spirits seemed lifted, the night pushed heavily on their shoulders, and the days of travel behind them seemed insignificant to the task ahead. Each seemed lost to thought of the bitter cold, the missing children, the will of the gods, and the path onward. Breaking the sorrowful silence, I.S. shuffled his pack.
3: So, taking stock of the provisions we've been given. Everyone has a bedroll, a bonus canteen which should last the entire journey unless you, well, use it in a way that would cause it to run out. You know, like dowsing a fire. Well, These are pretty big. a uh, Multiple fires or something we got one bottle of instant rope, compliments of myself, which creates 30 feet of rope out of a jar and it lasts about an hour before it peels apart. I also packed two very warm blankets and my neighbours were nice enough to donate a basket of elderberries and cashews, basically one meal for the entire team whenever we decide to have it. Any preference on who's holding the warm blankets and or the elderberries? I'm already carrying a lot.
2: Well, I have a very good cloak that I wear, so I do not need any blankets. But I can carry them for you if that's any problem.
4: I'm still confused by bottle of rope, so you just, like, open it and, like, <laughs> the rope comes
3: out. Uh, don't you worry.
4: Have you seen those, those like, uh, those uh, snake-in-a-jar? Oh, snake-in-a-jar,
1: okay. <laughs> it's, like, a nearby for, like, 30-foot rope. <laughs> that's
3: all right. I'll just hang on to that one. It is my rope, after all.
1: <laughs> uh, I I don't think I should take anything, to be honest.
0: As lightning crashed closer... The pressure of thunder rocked the dead pines. A flash of metal and slick cloth gleamed from the long fingers of distant trees. A figure emerged from the shadows, near enough to feel the heat of the fire. The team recognized their final fellow, Sorin Arkwright, the renowned monster hunter of the Bright Vale, returned from his scouting mission. Gray-eyed and deceptively plain, his cloak's hood covered all but a cropped and haggard beard
6: as he drew up tight around his neck. My name is uh, Soren Arkwright. I am a ranger who likes to exist not so much in town as around town most of the time. I was going to say I'm almost deceptively average looking in terms of height and build until I arrived with the team and apparently I tower over everyone like (laughs) some sort of mage's roost. At 5'9", no less. (laughs) But I could really be any local farmhand, apart from an invisible weight that I seem to carry and the depth of my steel-gray gaze. Wink wink. (laughs) I wear a hood as often as I can get away with it, and behind this, my wind-blown golden-brown hair appears to be sawed off at chin-length, perhaps by a dagger. A short, slightly darker beard is beginning to show streaks of gray because I have seen some things. You and me both. (laughs) Uh,
4: Soren, what have you found?
6: That was uh, quite a journey. A lot of trees. I tripped a few times. You, You guys don't need to hear about that. Anyway, what I saw was a campfire. It's about an hour and a half away from here. There was a a child's doll on the ground. I'm assuming it did come from Ilmater's Hope because of the uh, green delphinium that was weaved into its, uh, woven rather, into its hair. There appeared to be about three uh, humanoid figures guarding the campfire. Looks like they're resting for the night. I think if we leave immediately, we could probably catch up to them before they move on for the night, if you guys aren't too tired.
3: Definitely. What are we waiting for? I agree. Did you see no trace of the children? Only the doll. I, I did not see a child.
5: Mm.
4: Have we been following the footsteps of adults, or have we have been following the footsteps of children?
5: Both.
3: Well, we'll definitely go. What are we waiting for?
4: Well, then, yes. If we're well-rested and can go, then let's do this.
2: We should definitely move quietly. Whoever these people are, they are of the illicit sort. They will not uh, hesitate to use violence, I think.
4: We can try, but I am not trustworthy when it comes to being very sneaky. <laughs>
3: That's all right. Some of us are.
0: Another glimmer of hope lit up their eager eyes. Now as the rain began to fall, they had a path and some hope for finding the lost children. While others slept fitfully in the distant town of Ilmiter's Hope, the search party stirred with purpose.
5: I know that Soren and I have been tracking for the past two days, but what would we like our traveling order to be?
2: Uh, I would not hesitate to take the first step if everybody is okay with that.
5: I don't mind being in the front
4: either. I'm just... I'm wearing chainmail and I am not sneaky.
2: Oh, <laughs> neither am I, neither am I. I am s- simply... <laughs> simply thinking that we have the more uh, beefy of us up front.
4: Who are you calling beefy, Sindri? I only meant... I was joking. <laughs> I'm as strong and stout as a dwarf could wish. A block of quality stone.
5: I'll just trail behind you silently. These forests are not kind to strangers.
1: Um well the thing is if we want to try and get information out of them, we want to get on them quiet, we don't want to just let them know we're coming because they might run away. Mm.
3: And also you want someone that can actually see in the dark. I,
1: I'm a dwarf. <laughs> I'm a dwarf.
3: <laughs> you have a dwarf child, <laughs> you should know this. Oh no. But I'm also sneaky as well.
1: <laughs> this is probably a conversation we probably would have had already. <laughs> Who can actually see in the dark? <laughs>
5: I won't dignify that without an uh, answer.
1: <laughs> I can. Stone does not mind itself in the mountain. Okay, I'll, I'll rephrase it. Who can't see in the dark?
5: <laughs> Did
6: I mention I'm very tall? I, I've got that.
1: Oh good, then on the needs to worry. <laughs> Perhaps for a
4: <laughs> dwarf, but you We're are all good. human.
3: It, uh, can we stop debating about if- all this and get a move on?
4: Yes. yes. yes.
0: <laughs> Their march further into the Dead Pines continued, and through side-eyed glances they faced an unsettling but common sight over the previous days. Sister Cavernsfall stepped carefully over a torn limb, the great haunch of a stag, and her heavy boots squelched through the mud, mixed from blood and soiled dirt. Further ahead, the rest of the body lies sprawled out upon the path, belly torn open, fly-infested, wriggling with parasitic life, cracked antlers hanging limp, its tongue lolling out in a contortion of pain and fear.
4: Poor creature, to have suffered so. While we're walking, should we not discuss the mutilated animals we've been passing? I don't really know much about these things. I'm not a hunter. But I wanted to get a second opinion. Were they torn open? Are there signs
5: of consumption by some other animal? Uh, We've been seeing them pretty regularly. It was as if they were ripped open by something rabid, but not hungry. Hmm.
6: They are also rotten, as if decay hit them very quickly before they could be
2: consumed by carrion or scavengers. Lady Cameron, let us not worry about the animals right now. We have the children to worry about.
4: Yes, I'm just worried that these things may not be what we think they are.
3: That's all very interesting, but could you please keep it down? Some of us are trying to be sneaky.
0: Half an hour passed in that dark path, and the gust of heavy wind, the air laden with the gentle scent of damp rot, bloom to a foul odor that grew stronger with each step. With the many discarded carcasses and festering meats of animals they had passed, it seemed to surprise none. However, Father Westpike, leading the team, stopped his tread. Ahead by... Aw, damn, meters. How many meters is that? Uh, (laughs) Several. Uh, I think... 60 feet away, I think that's 10 meters. <laughs> no, uh, twenty meters. I'll play, I'll
2: play in front of feet with you guys. Don't worry.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. I, th- I think everything in everything in D and D is all feet, so for me it's like I have no idea either. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Ahead, by some sixty feet, three dark silhouettes sat around a fireside, through the party's determined path.
2: All right, I take out my shield and my hammer, and I look back at the group and I do like a little like point at my eyes, then point forward, and then lay, raise my hand and put up three fingers.
0: Father Westpike motioned at the figures and silently indicated their number, before drawing up his shield and hammer. Lady Cavernsfall, unhooking her warhammer from her belt, followed suit. Together, the symbols of their gods glimmering in the dying firelight. Pillor's face seemed to cackle, and the hands of Ilmiter almost appeared to bleed.
4: Okay, so there's three people up there.
0: Mm. I'm going to hide and get ready to sneak attack. The dead debris underfoot, a constant reminder of this sickening place made it difficult for Ias to easily act as he wished, and so he put stock in his skill and cast the die. Eighteen! Fate smiled down on the tiefling in that moment, and Ias took his place behind a nearby growth of thorned brambles without the slightest rustle. He now waited at a distance from the party until the need arose for more dire action.
6: Am I able to perceive how the uh, three figures are armed, if they're carrying any weapons? Trailing behind his fellows, Hunter Soren
0: Arkwright attempted to glean more about the distant figures, straining his eyes in the dark. Alright,
6: got a ten. They appear to be unarmed. Merchants. One female, two male, humanoid, Uh, perhaps human or half-elf.
0: Between flashes of distant lightning, aided by dwarven and tiefling dark sight, the others saw that the trio was facing away. Motionless, unarmed, and dressed in the plain but colored garb of merchants and then a white flashed over them, with a great booming crack splitting the air, illuminating the surrounding towering forest. They blinked back the white spots in their vision, but the distant trio now had their eyes focused upon the team. Unsettled by their stares, Father Westpike raised his shield, but Rowena placed a gentle hand on his shoulder.
5: Um,
1: at least to a black sheep like me, you're the coolest of my... Entire family and honest <laughs> bardic inspiration.
0: The light notes of her song filled Father Westpike's mind with a sharp warmth. The memories of fond dwarven reverie made into song and strength. This was the magic Rowena had taken up. Not the devout power of the gods, but the living enchantment of music.
2: Such inspiration.
1: Yes, because I'm a suppose. You only get to use it once. It can bolster your chances to hit, strengthen attack, swing luck your way, or sharp your defenses. Ooh. I don't want you to die, so I'm just gonna piss off into the bushes. This is too much.
2: (laughs) Keep close to me. We don't know what is is in these woods. Alright, the creatures are staring at us now? Or the. the Again, I don't think they're armed. They look like human merchants. right. State your names. What are you doing in this forest? Sitting so far
0: off into the dark woods. The trio remained unmoving around their sputtering fire. Floating embers here and there drifted before their eyes, which stared at Father Westpike. Straining through the dark at the edge of his vision, Father Westpike watched, confused at their lack of action. Yeah,
2: I guess I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, are they, like, absolutely, like, are they statues still? Are we talking, like, not a muscle, not even the movement of the breath? Uh, I got a 19 on the dice, so... Night.
0: Still sharp in his old age, Father Westpike could see their chests move with shallow breaths, shifting their merchant garb with every slight heave. As a log cracked open atop their fire, it was easy for the cleric to discern their glittering jewel brooches, gold necklaces, simple trinkets, and well-carved bracelets. And yet, they wore no shoes, and their traveling clothes were sodden with rainfall and with However, most unnerving were their decaying smiles spread out beneath otherwise hateful, unblinking glares.
2: Uh, are you in need of assistance? You... This is not okay. I... I start moving forward very slowly, I have my hammer ready to strike if anything approaches me, and I tell the party, they are not okay. They are not well. I'll follow you cautiously with my bow, but not very
6: threateningly.
4: I will approach with you, following you, as I am sure you will seem far less threatening alone if you are attempting to talk, yet if they attack, I will not hesitate to act.
3: I'll take him from the side.
5: I'll turn myself into a wolf and go around.
0: It was a sight to behold, with a gesture lost to the dark of the forest in the age of her arts, the woman of the wilds bent and contorted. Her long, dark hair wrapped around her limbs. Her nails grew dark and thick. Her horns pushed back along her skull, disappearing beneath the fur. Her pointed tiefling tail was the last to be consumed by the growing, wrapping noose of bristling hair. With a glint of long, white teeth, the wolf, Philgia, shook out her haunches. (laughs) (laughs) That was surprisingly realistic. Okay. Um, I love druids.
1: I'm just gonna hide behind this tree. I'm actually training stealth. Why did I study stealth?
0: As Lady Rowena concealed herself from the prospect of battle, ahead of her, the merchant woman broke her silence, opening her grin wider and wider, parting her clenched, decaying teeth as if to speak. She opened her mouth, her tongue moving as though to whisper, but all that projected was a weighted heaving sound. Her tongue pushed forth from her mouth, past her teeth and past her chin, Then further, wriggling, retching, the tongue tore itself apart, the two halves reaching out, wrapping around her jaw. They wriggled as though jointed, long, dark fingers pushing out from her throat, and as the long digits gave way to an elongated hand, the flesh of her cheek tore open, and a sickening crack signaled the dislocation of her jaw and the snap of her spine. The mouth tore open another long black hand pushing free, the woman's neck bloating. And together the two hands gripped her shoulders, pushed down, pulling up an emaciated, hairless figure of oily skin and protruding bone. It was here, among the looming cage of the dead pines, beset by an unknown darkness, the air heavy with rot and turmoil, that the fellows first doubted their sanity, all but Lady Rowena, who, hidden behind the tree, saw nothing of the harrowing transformation.
1: Fuck yeah! I imagine my back is very firmly against this tree. I'm just listening for sounds of distress.
0: The rest of the team must make a sanity check. Has this thing... my son? Sister caverns fall and ISN's keep recoiled from the sight, their minds suspended, their sanity raked over by the long black nails of the unfurling thing before them. There, in that darkening night, they stood paralyzed.
6: I see this kind of thing every day.
5: Nothing is going to surprise a wolf.
0: Filgia, flinching back her jowls at the sight, prowled unscathed. The Keeper of the Wilds had seen a great many horrors in her days, as had Soren Arkwright, who drew back repulsed but not unnerved. Oh god.
1: No. Remember, Koz, you're still inspired? You can strengthen your grip on your sanity.
2: I... Oh, I, I, I definitely want to. I don't want to be paralyzed. Oh, that's a five. Uh, that's it's a sixteen. Father Sindri Westpike searched his memory
0: for her short song, the feeling of revelry it gave him, and with its sound firmly in his mind, he pushed out the fear, the vision of the transformation, and overcame the madness of what he just witnessed.
2: You're welcome. Thanks, cousin. Now what is this foul thing that we face?
0: The crimson limbs righted themselves, standing hunched, a pile of skin and cracked bones at its feet. Roughly humanoid, its long limbs bent and bowed, its anatomy, a thing of dark magic. Its hairless head was vacant of a nose or mouth, just a canvas of skin marked by three large but hollow cavities. Its body heaved as if breathing, and with a crack, it faced the group.
2: All right.
0: The other two merchants wailed in chorus with a high-pitched, inconceivable shriek, partnered with a flash of lightning. Chaos. The long-limbed creature struck out at the two men's throats tearing them open. Then it fled into the shadows with the passing of the lightning strike. The two merchants' bodies lay on the ground, their fringed cuffs near the smallest embers. The storm continued, but an unsteady calm beset them. The creature was missing, and everyone's senses slowly returned. The metallic, decaying stench of the place remained
2: unrelenting.
4: What demon is this?
2: By all the light in the world, what the hell was that?
1: I'm gonna put my head back from around the tree and I've heard these two horrific screams, like... Um, everything seems fine. No, you stay behind that tree! Oh! What, what, what What, 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 what? No, do you know I'm coming out from around this tree. Everything seems to be fine now. Witch,
2: make yourself appear.
4: The carcass of the woman that that thing pulled itself out of? I've never seen such a thing.
2: And the two whose throats have been cut open. Witch, please, uh, make yourself appear again. Come back
1: from the woods. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I guess I'll walk over to the group and look down at these carcasses. Like, that's fucked up. Don't, don't <laughs> go,
2: go close to them. Ah, I rest over
0: Rowena, free of her hiding place, approached the horrific stage surrounding the dulling fire to satisfy her curiosity and the corpses. Worried, fearful, Father Westpike rushed behind her, his eyes on the darkness of the surrounding woods.
5: Maybe I find a scent or something.
0: Filia. Her haunches still bristled, moved forward to the pile of pieces that once formed a woman.
5: They smell like they've been rotting for some time. Certainly not fresh, not from just moments ago. Um, where did you see that doll?
6: I found it all a few miles up the way still.
4: So this wasn't here when you scattered the path earlier?
6: I must have come a different way.
1: Were these the three that you saw around the campfire?
6: No, they weren't. Oh... I think I'd remember something like this.
2: (laughs) I'm going to try to figure out if there's any uh, recognizable uh, uh, icons on the people. Oh, God. How do I say this? I'm trying to identify the corpses. (laughs)
4: Um,
2: I'm going to go carefully and respectfully through their belongings, looking for anything that would identify them, uh, whether it be a trading clan or something like that.
4: A fine idea, Father Westpike. I'm sure there are families missing them somewhere. Though it may be a difficult task.
2: Glancing at the corpses again
0: from a distance, Father Westpike saw that what Sister Caverns said was true. It would be a difficult and mentally taxing task to examine the foul-smelling blighted corpses in greater detail. A test of his hold on sanity itself.
2: Alright. Yeah, there we go. Eighteen on the dice, twenty-two.
0: Strengthened by the tenets of his faith, Holding his mind at ease, Father West Pike moved to investigate further. His gloved hand turning out pockets, searching for identification and examining the full extent of their injuries. While the other hand pressed a rag over his mouth and nose, a weak protection from the stench.
2: All right, well, that's not as good. Uh, investigation. Did I put points in that? No, I did not. That's a five. Thirty-six gold pieces, a silver necklace, a broken gold necklace, four charm bracelets with a strange symbol. A worn copper coin on a string around what was previously the woman's neck. A thick blue candle. A glass vial containing a grey smoky substance. And a crumpled silver amulet of torn. All three of the deceased are bleeding from their throats and stains through their clothes. Across their back, indicating bleeding beneath. All of them have blisters on their bare hands and feet. Oh dear Pellor, their eyes have collapsed. This is... Very, very unsettling.
5: I I know many of the inhabitants within these woods. Let me see if I recognize these ones.
0: As Filgia approached the resting corpses, the weak fire reflecting of pallid skin, the retching smell and violent nature of their deaths became oppressive to her senses. Filgia attempted to shore up her strength, straining her mental capacity for the macabre. Ten?
5: Plus
0: two? Unprepared for the distressing mutilation before her, Filchia was beset by dry heaving, repulsed by the sight, plus five stress. Through her fits, at a glance, she noted that the dead were strangers to her, and the woods of the Bright Veil. Um,
1: is there, like, the manner of their death? Is this reminiscent of anything I may have heard about, like, wandering around telling tales?
0: That will require a knowledge history check.
1: Oh, oh, it doesn't matter, because I rolled a one on the dice, so that's a seven.
0: With advantage.
1: Oh, Okay. That's just as terrible, because I got another one, so that's seven. Uh, sister, is the manner of the death, like, remind you of anything you might have heard? Like, perhaps in religious texts, or any sort of tales from across the continent? That
4: would require a knowledge of such... grotesque history that I would not be able to recall. Uh, As a collector of stories, though, Rowena, you certainly have a better chance. Yeah, that's what I hope you weren't gonna see... I wonder if there's any religious symbolism behind the thick blue candle. I know the crumpled silver amulet of Torm belongs to a follower of the loyal fury himself, god of duty, loyalty, righteousness, but I don't know if any of these other things have any religious meaning. The copper coin, uh, the charm bracelets. Sometimes history eludes me. Wait, I've actually seen one of these blue candles before. It's It's a restful, restful candle. It burns slowly uh, and is said to greatly aid those in need of healing when it is present and burning. The last church of my previous pilgrimage used restful candles during all night healing masses. They are quite effective. Well, wonderful. We have ourselves a magic candle. And let's see, there's the little token with a symbol of, oh, well, that can't be right. No one worships that. God.
2: Which god is that? The nameless god. The what?
4: (laughs) An old fable, a legend. The stories are in some of the oldest religious texts, but they are... something, you know, like out of a children's tale now. Demented children. Like, really demented children. An occult, horrid thing. Father Silvermall, a local priest from a town south of here... As collected theories propagated by the local religious groups. They believe that a herald from the Darklands will one day rise to reawaken the Nameless God. It's all rather distasteful when you sit down and read it.
3: Yeah, to my knowledge, the forces of Zarketh have primarily focused on gaining power through infighting since the dawn of the Dark Miracle. Oh, wow. I've suddenly become very knowledgeable about stuff.
2: Forgive me for asking, but what is Zarketh?
5: Zarketh is a city. One of the main forces within the Darklands. It's a bit lawless compared to the capital down here.
2: And the Darklands are...
5: Were you born under a rock or something?
2: Sort of, yes.
5: The Darklands are called the Darklands because the sun has not shown its face there in centuries. Since the dawn of the Dark
2: Miracle.
4: Alright, so we got some positive and some negative out of this.
2: <laughs> I bring all the, the things I found away from the corpses, but I leave the little gold pile behind in whoever's pocket I found it
3: so, just one quick question. Uh, given that I'm a merchant and old mind if I take a look at the glass vial with the grey smoke?
2: Here. Uh, I rolled a three. Are you sure this, the glass, is from this area? I've never seen anything like it. Can I assist you? Advantage, question mark?
0: Attempting to assist, Father Westpike indicated an odd tapering to the neck of the vial, which spun as though twisted in the flames that
3: formed it. Aha! See? See? This is clear breath. It dulls olfactory senses, helping to maintain your composure and constitution when facing unpleasant odors. It can prevent some nasty side effects. I'm going to
6: step closer to the bodies, if I may, despite the smell. Shifting his cloak
0: further up his shoulders, Sorin, having faced monstrous horrors as a matter of life, surveyed the bodies of the two men and scrutinized the deep, pooling gashes, partially severing the
6: heads. And I'm going to ask a very strange question. In order to, uh converse with a dead body, do they need to have a throat?
5: Ah, That is a peculiar question indeed. And though I frown upon the return of the suffering, the circumstances of the speech do apply. Bodies reanimated, not healed, would possibly find speech difficult with their throat slit as so, but a more spiritual calling would not require a throat, as the voice is disembodied or sometimes astral. Oh, yay. Odd reaction, but to each their own.
6: I'll inspect the bodies first, uh, maybe turn them over?
0: Soren, unfazed by the fetid brutality, further jostled the corpses, turning them over to investigate the bleeding backs discovered by Father Westpike. He paused a moment, drawing together a mental bulwark, before cutting free the impending claw. Waiting patient, Sister Cavernsfall took up her holy symbol of Ilmater. She watched the jostled dead with pity, and decided upon the proper prayer for the dead.
4: Where's my incense? Ah. Ilmater, bloodied, burned, and broken. Crying God, waiting with open arms. Forgiveness is the mark of light. A burden lifted from suffering lives. Now free of bonds and mortal toil. Take up their suffering, shield their souls. The bodies left are poxed with truth that the lives of men are ill endured. Though not all see the trail of blood and know the pain you take up, may the world beyond be unchained, unbeaten, an unyielding domain of compassion.
3: You know, that's really rude of you. Excuse me? That is really rude of you to assume that everyone wants you to pray for them after death and try to steer their souls towards your God, the Lord of Suffering or some bullshit, if I'm not mistaken.
4: Lord Ilmetter bears the suffering of those he can and is an enemy of pain and cruelty. And I believe it would be more rude to assume one would wish to be left in the mud unattended. Their spirits need not follow the path I light for them, but I strive to make the afterlife open to such suffering souls, if they choose, Sir Ayas.
3: Not sir, just Ayas. I'm an inn's keeper, not a knight.
4: It is brave of you to accompany us into the woods in search of your son.
3: I wouldn't have it any other way. But I maintain what I said. You shouldn't pray for dead people you don't know. What if they were evil or wanted their souls to go to oblivion? I know I wouldn't want to find myself in the domain of some god after I die.
4: I just open a door to the realm of many gods and goddesses. A choice for afterlife. It is the decision of the spirit to pass through or to remain.
3: Look, you're an idealistic young dwarf who's helped a few communities that have supposedly seen hardship. But if you live long enough to see as much as I have, you will come to understand that there is great evil in the world and that that evil often extends into the next one as well.
4: Evil exists everywhere, but do not discount the strength of the light. Suffering can be great or small, just like happiness, and one does not eliminate
0: the other.
6: I got a uh, 15 investigation and then a 19 plus 2 sanity. As Sister Cavernsfall's incense fought back against the oppressive
0: stench of decay, Soren examined the bodies further. He made a disturbing discovery. Across the backs of the men were letters, carved, flayed, burned, and scratched deep into the skin. The roughly carved symbols rose from the bruised skin, characters of the bedeviled infernal script still bloodied and legible. The Halfwick Ma, the Halfwick Ma, the Halfwick Ma again and again, down spines, across ribs. Ma, embedded into the skin so deep it could never heal. Scouring his previous encounters with infernal stock, the phrase sent an itch crawling up his limbs. It was recognizable. A call in the dark for something still darker. Ma, Do you seek him? The Silent One. An ancient thing. A tricky thing. A saint to some, if saints were feared and never loved. The sorrow of children. The gatekeeper. Guardian of the
6: nameless god. Hmm. We might be in some trouble here.
2: Sorin, I think your name is? Absolutely.
0: Peeling his eyes from dark forests, its trembling trees hiding the long depths beyond, Father Westpike noticed Soren examining the bodies, the torn cloth discarded near the fire. Distressed, the dwarf approached, failing to detect the tremor in the ranger's
2: hands. What are you doing? Please, let's not dis- desecrate the dead more. I understand, but they are dead and gone, so I don't really
6: care. I've seen this before, I'm afraid. The symbols, they are of the Silent One. The sorrow of children. I think I know why all these bodies, why they're not being eaten. I... I think they're just having their faces stolen.
3: What, what more th- religious bullshit? All the more reason we should get moving and find the children.
4: I don't like the idea of a monster that delights in murdering kids, so we should probably hurry. Up.
2: I just saw the symbol of the nameless god. I believe it was most, I believe it was on one of the charms. Where are you? Ah, yes, yes. I will pocket you for now. I'm assuming we're going to distribute the blue candle, the glass vial, and the silver amulet.
3: I don't mind.
1: I'm taking absolutely nothing. <laughs>
4: I could take the candle.
3: Yeah, please do. I'll take everything else if you want. Yes, please. I'm a wolf. I don't have pockets.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what will,
1: will, will, will you attack me if I like like pat your head and stroke your foot?
5: I will growl at you. <laughs> I'm just gonna do it anyway. Stamp yes, stop stop, stop it! Oh, my my legs won't stop kicking. Oh, <laughs> this the so thing ever. Please, oh please don't stop. No, oh.
3: Can we get a move on? we got children to oh, rescue. Right, yeah,
4: children.
1: Right, yeah,
6: oh, sure. yeah,
3: that. I'm going to light the black candle.
6: You'll want to stand back. <laughs>
4: well, I'm only here to become a man. All of right, them. so black the skid ripper ran off in that direction if we want to pursue it, but I think we should continue to where Soren found the doll. The children are our goal.
2: Uh, I'm sorry. Soren is doing something strange over there, again with the corpses.
1: Uh,
5: what?
2: I'm not entirely sure you guys are going to want to see this. It's
6: unsettling, even for me. Maybe find somewhere comfortable to rest for a few minutes? Hmm?
1: Yeah, but how unsettling is unsettling.
6: It's totally up to you. you. You can watch. Just turn your back. This could be pretty scarring. I can
1: I can watch. What are you doing?
2: <laughs> no, turn your back. Just don't say I didn't warn you.
1: Because
4: huh? I've got the option to leave, so I'll stay.
2: Then I will stay too.
4: I'm I'm not looking directly at the corpses, Sorin, but I, I need to know the information because we need... I need to know what we're going up against if we're going up against something horrible. I'll just... I'll just turn around to make sure we aren't ambushed. So, do what you must for the sake of the children.
3: Smart idea, Kevin's full That thing may come back.
4: I just want
1: to see what he's doing. I can't write a heroic tale if I don't know what he's doing.
3: Well, I've
6: made it known that I disapprove. I'd like to genuinely apologize to the entire team if this is a little difficult. Soren, is this the time? Uh, Uh, I think so. There are things we need to know. Soul of the Fallen, I command you to return. Soul of the Lost, return to this vessel. Grant me your wisdom, grant me your thoughts, and I might free you from this torment.
0: From beneath his heavy traveling cloak, Soren produced an old bronze lantern, worn with age and tarnish, containing a small black candle. Without action, the candle flashed to life, burning with an emerald flame. Speaking low and incomprehensibly, the flame's light grew and grew, casting green light in a wide radius around them. Flickering light threw writhing shadows behind nearby trees, and the dark, moist pine bark seemed to undulate like flesh. Moments later, ethereal, swirling figures descended over the corpses, pushing themselves, past the bone and blood, into the now convulsing bodies. Torturous screams emanated from slashed, gurgling throats, and the sanity of the onlookers came into question.
4: Does witness mean listening to it? Because I'm not looking. <laughs>
0: Sister Cavern's fall was all right because she was not looking.
1: Sixteen. Natural twenty. Oh,
0: hell yeah. Pelor, help me persevere. Overwhelmed by the sudden appearance of such dark magics, Philgia, though a powerful witch, felt the tearing, grasping call of the All-Shadow as the spirit suffered so. She shook upon her canine legs, her eyes wide, her mind damaged. Father Westpike, his resolve steady, turned worried to Rowena. She had stepped back, but had not diverted her gaze. Oh, this is not starting out well. How are you holding up?
1: Mm, I'm alright.
0: The heads of the dead bodies twitched and cracked, spilling blood and frayed ligaments out from torn throats. Their screams turned into a high hissing as their rotted eyes blinked. Contorted, they faced Sorin. Why?
6: Why bring us back to suffer so I need answers. I'm sorry for the pain. We shall give them to you. Please be quick. Do you know anything about the creature that did this to you? No! No! no. We were wandering
2: through the woods, and tight
6: we were not... We come tonight, and awoke in the embrace of storm. You have no other memories. You were perhaps attacked, or you were sleeping and turned into these. Well, I don't know how not to be rude.
0: Let us go. Let us return. The
6: pain—it's unbearable. We know
3: nothing more.
0: Focused on their pain, nightmares of the children suffering in the dark depths of the woods pushed Father West Pike to speak. Hands still grasping around
2: the holy symbol as he stepped forward. Why were you carrying a symbol of the Old God? The Nameless One?
6: A charm! A superstitious charm! To silence Ilmater's hope! Please, sir, please let them rest. Were you in Ilmater's hope, or have you not yet arrived? We will
0: never arrive! Let Let us go! Please! The corpses shook violently, racked with pain as if experiencing their wounds for the first time they arched as they felt the carving upon their flesh, grasped as they felt their throats open. Crushed back into the mortal world, their vessels damaged and tainted, they suffered unlike the living.
6: Hope there's nothing else we need from them. The process is uh, difficult to repeat a second time.
1: Thorin, let them go.
6: Alright, I, I put the lantern away. Is here at red I release you.
0: As Soren expunged the light from the candle, the forest returned to the physical realm of horror, free from the tormented spirits. The souls of the deceased, white as smoke, clawed free of their tortured
6: bodies and ascended to the looming clouds. I'm sorry about that. Not to anyone in particular. Are you really sorry? Some days.
4: All right, we need to get back on the trail before this happens to people who are tiny.
2: They're called children. Yes,
4: kids. Of
6: course,
2: <laughs> of course. Sorry, uh, Soren. Thank you for helping us find more information. Of course. And yeah, I think we should move on. I'll take the lead. This way, yes, Soren.
0: Having stamped out the last embers of the fire and laid the corpses respectively flat, faces covered, the seven adventurers continued along the track into the darkness of the dead pines. Dark dice. Chapter One, The Silent One. Starring Caitlin Statz as Sister Savarite Cavernsfall, Peter Lewis as Soren Arkwright, Ethor Vitherson as Father Sindri Westpike, David Alt as Iasinski, Kessie Rilineke as Philgia the Witch, Hem Cleveland as Lady Rowena Granite Pike, and Travis Vengroff as Dungeon Master, with writing assistance by K.A. Statz and transcriptions by Hem Cleveland. This episode featured additional voices by Graham Rowett, and was co-edited by Travis Vengroff and Neil Martin. It was produced with sound design by Travis Vengroff and mixed and mastered by Brandon Strader. Episode 1 features music by Travis Vengroff, Brandon Boone, Stephen Mullen, and Josh Barron. All music was mixed and mastered by Brandon Strader. To support this presentation, get early access to bonus releases, music, and an early copy of The Adventure. That's right, you can play The Adventure yourself. Including transcriptions, artwork, and more, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash foolandscholar. You can also find us on Twitter at Pod and a list of content warnings are available at the bottom of the show notes in every episode. You can find more information on Dungeons & Dragons at dnd.wizards.com.
6: This is a Fool & Scholar production. Thank you for listening.